2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 through to 11. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 11. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if any of you do not have them, you are short-sighted and blind, and you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's stand together for the reading of the Gospel. This morning we're reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And beginning at verse 17, that's page 1042 in the Blue Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some people came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, 
O Christ. And so I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to his glory. Amen. Please take a seat. So way back in uh, 1934, before some of us were born, Albert McMakin was a 24-year-old farmer, and he'd recently come to faith in Jesus Christ. He was uh, full of enthusiasm, that newfound zeal of someone who's just discovered their saviour. And he was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people and took them to a meeting to hear about Jesus. Well, there was one guy he was trying to persuade to come along to one of these meetings. He was uh, a good-looking farmer's son. But this young man had a few other distractions, a few other things on his mind. There was um, the busyness of falling, falling in and out of love with lots of different girls, for instance. And he wasn't really attracted to Christianity. But eventually, Albert managed to persuade him to come to one of these meetings by asking him if he would drive the truck. And when they arrived, Albert's guest decided to go in to the meeting, and he was spellbound. He began to have thoughts he'd never experienced before. And he went back again and again, until one night he went forward and gave his life to Christ. That man, the driver of the truck, as some of you know, was Billy Graham. Albert had met Jesus himself and was desperate to give his friend the opportunity to meet with Jesus. And that commitment and that passion has affected thousands and thousands of lives since. It seems that the paralysed man in the Gospel reading, his friends, had a similar motivation in that they wanted him to meet with Jesus. We don't know much about them, but they were pretty determined that one way or another, their friends might get to meet him. Perhaps they just knew Jesus by reputation. But the possibility of healing caused them to go the extra mile. And so even when they got to a house where Jesus was speaking, and they found it round full with people, they persevered and found a creative way to get the man to Jesus' feet. And you've got this somewhat amusing image of Jesus preaching away in this room when suddenly bits of rubble begin to land in his hair and around his feet. Does he just carry on regardless? <laughs> I've got this message to give and nothing's going to stop me. Or does he go with the flow of what's happening? Well, before he knows it, it's not just rubble, but it's a man on a mat being lowered from a great height into this crowded space. And Jesus has no option but to engage with him. Don't you find it rather challenging, the determination of those friends? It would have been very easy for them to get to the crowded house, to shrug their shoulders and to turn back around and say, well, we tried too busy around here. Maybe we'll come back another day. But they had the paralysed man's well-being at heart. They were full of compassion and had a sense that in Jesus there was hope for this man 
and their faith is rewarded. And Jesus brings both spiritual and physical healing. He pronounces the forgiveness of sin, which doesn't go down too well with some of the locals. And then as further, as further evidence of who he is, he tells the man to get up, to pick up his mat and walk. As we pray for friends and family members this week, we're bringing them into the Lord's presence. And as we do so, we're challenged to persevere in prayer. The bands, some of us are wearing around our wrists, the little prayer cards, they remind us of those we're praying for and remind us to keep going. And alongside our prayer comes an encouragement to engage and to invite. Prayer and invitation are different sides of the same coin. I'm sure Albert McMakin prayed as well as invited. Prayer and invitation both serve to bring our friends into Jesus' presence. Have you considered saying those six simple words to any of those that you're praying for? Would you like to join me? Or, I'm going, will you come too? Maybe to this service on a Thursday morning. Maybe to messy church or a midweek event. Maybe to a mother's union meeting. Maybe to see in the park. Certainly I'm planning to at least invite at least two of the five people I'm praying for to that event. And in one sense, the inviting is the easy bit. That's the responsibility that God gives us. The rest is up to God. We can't bring that healing. We can't bring that forgiveness of sin. It's only God who can do those things. As the paralysed man's friends brought him to Jesus, they couldn't heal him. They couldn't forgive his sins. They could simply bring him into the presence of the Messiah and see what he would do. And they had faith to believe that he would do something. And Jesus commends them for it. We do well to remember, of course, that this passage isn't primarily about the paralysed man and his friends. Luke wants our gaze to be on Jesus himself. Jesus, the one who has authority to forgive sins. And the religious leaders, they wrestle with what's going on and they strike on a truth when they ask, well, surely only God can forgive sins. But this man is the Son of God incarnate. It's only Jesus who is able to bring that physical healing. It's only Jesus who fulfills the prophecies of Daniel as he owns the name of Son of Man, which is used in this passage. It's Jesus who overturns the dry legalism of religious leaders to bring new life, to bring fresh hope. And it's Jesus who elicits praise and wonder from those who witness his words and his works. <coughs> and so as the paralysed man wanders off with his mat tucked under his arm, he has plenty of cause to thank his friends for playing their part. 
his ultimate thanks, of course, goes to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And the crowds gathered recognise what he has done. And their picture of the possibilities of what God can do in their lives is enlarged. He is the one we bid our friends to meet as we pray and as we invite. The one who's still changing lives today. So how determined are we to bring our friends to him in prayer, in words and in our actions? I would imagine that, you know, for some of you, you've actually found it quite difficult to engage with Thy Kingdom Come and there's a bit of an attitude of, well, I'm not sure I've got anyone I could invite. But we're not just inviting people anywhere, to anything, we're inviting people into the very presence of God. And who knows what God will do as we are obedient and follow through. Let's pray just as we uh, finish this time. As we reflect on this story and recognise the call of God on our lives to be people of prayer and people of invitation. Lord God, we thank you for this uh, wonderful little story and uh, the way in which you transform in an instant, really, the life of one man. And thank you for the determination of his friends in bringing him to you. Whatever level of faith they might have had, whatever their motivation, thank you that they saw something in you. And we pray, Lord God, that we might be both encouraged and challenged by that and open to you leading us, leading us forward in prayer, giving us the boldness to be men and women who invite others into your presence. Give us your courage, we pray, Lord God, and may we see you work in the lives of those around us, that your name might be praised. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.